We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Diggs. Touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined by Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners at Rotoviz, the co-host of the Stealing Bananas podcast, and of course the co-host of the Rotoviz Overtime podcast. I'm going to give another quick plug for it here as we start off, Sean, the Rotoviz live stream for the NFL draft. You and Ben Gretsch did a combined 13 hours of coverage over a three-day period. That is up on the Rotoviz YouTube channel, but the thing that has been getting the most hype over the last couple of days is the I guess the more concise version of that, the 30-minute edition where you can find out all the funniest bits. But I would head on over and check that out. I've I, Look, I usually like record our podcast, Sean. Well, sometimes I'll listen to some parts of it, but I've actually watched this here clip back, I would say, four or five times at this point, and I cannot stop cracking up. And after we finished recording the interview that we're going to have here with Pat Corain, I was mentioning to him as well some of the funniest parts of it. So head on over and check that out again. That is linked to in the show notes today. But Sean, a big week with the NFL draft. Obviously, we're having Pat back on, but the road of his rookie guide is out there for all the the readers to have and a big week on the site. So uh, busy times for, for Sean Siegel this week. Yeah, it has been, but it's been unbelievably fun. And We do have the guide out. We're pretty proud of it. We think that there are a few things in there with rankings and how we did the mocks that will help you beat some of those areas or exploit some of those areas in your draft. It's a little bit soft. And, you know, those couple of picks there, how you move up, how you move down, who you execute with will make all the difference. The other thing that'll make all the difference is making sure you're listening to Pat Corain, who is going to give us all of the best strategy tips in today's show yeah pat is always must listen to so we'll just jump straight into that now and, and welcome pat back to the show pat korean of nbc sports edge we had him on the tuesday show he's back for thursday pat welcome back yeah thanks guys we are looking today at the i guess we'll say the biggest draft losers maybe when we look at these maybe some of them might slide into the the winners category we'll see what happens but brian robinson and zamir white are two guys who are kind of buried by their landing spots in the nfl draft is that the case or are they interesting handcuffs with those landing spots that they have acquired yeah 
I don't like either prospect a ton, but um, but I think you'd have to say Robinson's an interesting handcuff because uh, I would imagine that Washington is going to be pretty run heavy this year. We saw them try to play it fairly pass heavy, and I think they had this plan with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They were going to be a different type of team than the one we ultimately saw. But once they kind of realized what they had in Taylor Heineke, they started being extremely run heavy, kind of a ball control type offense. They're going to have that same realization with Carson Wentz. It's like a guarantee, you know, and the Colts, we saw the same thing. Colts were also like more pass heavy on first and 10 and were kind of willing to air it out a bit. And then it was just like, no, 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 protect and hide, protect and hide. So I think, you know, maybe they're already seeing the writing on the wall here and they're, you know, drafting Brian Robinson with the idea that they can't just have Antonio Gibson handle like 25, 30 carries. So they got to mix him in. So, you know, if you're into kind of um, a two down handcuff type, I think Brian Robinson will have some value. Zamir White feels more like a 2023 play to me where Josh Jacobs is going to be out and then we'll get a chance to see what Zamir White can do. But I don't know. He's been a very difficult prospect for me to evaluate. What, Sean, what are your thoughts on him? Because like number one running back recruit in the nation tears both ACLs, tears the ACL on each of his knees before he takes a college snap. And then the production's not really there, but then he, he has the athleticism. So like, can we write off an entire college career? The interesting part about it is, I mean, exactly what you mentioned, but I mean, you wonder just about sort of the medical element, right? Because he seems healthy now. And we know that guys are mostly recovering from these injuries, especially when it's not multiple to the same knee. And yet there's that question, you know, if you're in college, what kind of, I mean, I would assume these guys are getting some pretty impressive healthcare, but at the same time, it's maybe not what you would get later, both with the surgery, the follow-up, the rehab, all of that kind of thing. So we don't know that a college guy is going to recover in exactly the same way. But there's also this potential element where, I mean, he's big and super athletic, like you said. And the, the possibility exists that he actually recovered from those knee injuries and that he's not a great running back, right? I mean, if he were actually more or less that athletic in college, but then the weird thing is just that, you know, Cook as well, the testing number is very good. And then Cook does have sort of an exciting final season. You know, how much did they cannibalize each other? But then even with that, I mean, you would have expected both of them actually still to be more productive than they were. And so... You know, that part of it is really tricky. But the situation with the Raiders is just that they're more or less said, you know, we're going to try and cap all of our running backs at, at eight fantasy points a game. So, I mean, it, it's hard to it's hard to see how that's going to necessarily help us, even if he is good. But there's always room for a guy that size who runs a, you know, more or less a straight four four. Pat, you had mentioned, well, obviously talking about the Washington situation and Antonio Gibson, I've been reading some things saying that this selection is not great for Antonio Gibson. He's one of your guys. Washington has been saying though for months that they were going to try to add another basic like bell cow type of back. So, I mean, all that they really did was come through and do what they said and perhaps add one who is just a huge talent level down for Gibson. I mean, it's going to create, some value opportunities on multiple formats to get Gibson or, or is Washington just, you know, 
too terrible. No, I think it, it probably will create some opportunities for Gibson, although <clears throat> I don't know how far he's slipping. Like, is he, he's probably kind of a classic dead zone guy now, isn't he? I mean, I don't know that you're hammering Antonio Gibson. I mean, he's a, he's a lead back in a committee where there's a dedicated pass catcher on a bad offense. Doesn't sound like a, a guy we should be smashing. Um, feels a little Miles Sandersy, although I think at this point maybe you prefer Sanders. Um, so I'm not, you know, the weird thing about Antonio Gibson is that he hasn't been that great as a receiver. It's not even that they haven't used him, which they haven't used him as much as I thought, but he's also not been like that efficient as a receiver. And the whole, his, all his, his entire college profile was just efficiency. He didn't have many touches. He was incredible on those touches, but he hasn't delivered in that same way. Um, even his breakaway stuff hasn't been quite as impressive as I thought as a runner. So I don't know. I think I'm, I'm okay being like, I don't think Gibson's as good as we hoped he was, you know, he, he hasn't really delivered in terms of flashing the talent. It's not like he's been bad, but he hasn't been great. He hasn't been the type of guy that I think I want to make a big bet on to emerge from, you know, a very suboptimal situation. And in some ways, you know, the Brian Robinson pick is good. If they were going to add a third guy, I don't mind that it was Brian Robinson who was basically, he like patiently waited his turn at Alabama, waited until everybody left. <laughs> Damien Harris, Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, Jerome Ford transfers. And then it's like, okay, I, I can play now. In his extra year, he wasn't even, he wouldn't have been eligible to play in 2021 had it not been for the pandemic. You know, in, in a normal year, he would have already been in the NFL. So I'm not like petrified of Brian Robinson, but obviously opportunities king. At running back, so they're going to be splitting it up. So, if Antonio Gibson gets to fall to you know the the seventh, the eighth rounds, I'm in. Let I mean, I'm in at that point. But I do want that kind of discount. I want you know this is kind of the thing with Ronald Jones, where I continuously bet on him every single season because he's always going like two or three rounds after I think he should go. If I get that with Antonio Gibson, uh, I'll definitely make the bet. I was going to mention that about. Ronald Jones and our Sky Moore conversation is that we're looking at the receivers, but when Ronald Jones takes half of his touches for 70 yard touchdowns, I mean, how many offensive plays are left to the Kansas City Chiefs? <laughs> uh, He's going to ruin Patrick Mahomes' season. <laughs> Pat, in the in the first 16 picks here, we've got Wilson, Olave, Williams, Dotson. These guys, at least for me, all get controversial landing spots. We we talked about. Wilson potentially as a winner, or at least still a star prospect in the first show. But looking at those other three guys, who's the biggest loser there? Is Dotson good enough to, to really be relevant in this conversation? Would you consider any of these guys to be stealth winners? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I think Williams of the, of the kind of the first round guys who's seen as a bad landing spot might be a stealth winner. Um, because of, you know, in the previous show, you're mentioning that, um, you know, they're going to get a quarterback uh, eventually. And, you know, he's not going to have uh, that much time to suffer through the Jared Goff experience because he's probably not going to play every game this year. And just to be the 12th pick with a torn ACL, I mean, that's pretty incredible. Guy tears his ACL in January and then goes 12th overall in the NFL draft. Like, <laughs> the NFL thinks this guy's awesome. 
So, you know. With a trade-up. With a trade-up, yeah. So that's that. he's probably a stealth winner. I think uh, Dotson, man, I'm just having such a hard time mustering any enthusiasm for Dotson. The, the name I keep mentioning is Darnell Mooney, where, you know, like he's – Darnell Mooney is fast, but he's not super fast. And he's small. And he's kind of just like a regular receiver who normally would be like 195, 200 pounds. And, you know, instead he's like sub 180. And Darnell Mooney right now is a team's number one wide receiver. And the fantasy community is like, cool, don't care. <laughs> so you're looking at Dotson like if everything breaks right, you know, a couple years from now, he's shown he can play in the slot like Mooney has shown last year. Uh, you know, he can, he can get deep. He can basically do everything. He's just going to be kind of an uninspiring number one guy, I think. Now, maybe he can surprise me, but he's, you know, four-year guy, wasn't very efficient as an underclassman, wasn't super productive. I know he comes with first-round draft capital, but, man, it's just, like, really tough. I, I'm i probably going to have him much lower than consensus. I don't think I'll have a ton of him uh, in Dynasty. And it it is, like, and I could be way off on this, but, it, you know, if the ceiling is sort of a Darnell Mooney type, I'm just, like, not that scared about about fading him speaking of somebody who look uh might have landed in a good spot and i think after day one a lot of people were starting to lose their minds again with the packers not taking a wide receiver but christian watson does land in green bay um is he going to be a loser due to unfair expectations of what he might get in that offense and then uh do you think in fantasy is that going to raise his adp above a justified risk yeah it, it i mean it's definitely created some steam um, but you want to talk about a guy like who I would be nervous about just being dead wrong on Christian Watson's good. He could be really good, you know, like in this, in this situation, you know, it's kind of a Jordy Nelson level opportunity for, for a guy who can win downfield like he can. Um, he's probably Marcus Fulda Scantling though. So you do have to weigh that where, you know, and honestly, like he's probably just going to be MVS this year. He's he's an FCS guy. He's raw. Like if you you know like Dane Brugler talk about him and stuff, it's like, dude, this guy's raw. Like I don't think he's coming in and immediately mind melding with Aaron Rodgers on like short routes and intermediate stuff. Like he's going to get go balls. Like that's it. You know, like that won't be it. They'll also use him on screens and some design stuff and. You know, I'm sure he'll, he'll he'll run slants as well sometimes, but he's not going to be right out of the gate um, like a clear number one option on that team. Like I, I just I find that implausible, but it's OK, you know, to start out as kind of a, a deep threat and then add other stuff to your game. So if you've got patience with uh, Christian Watson, I think he could totally emerge as like a clear number one option on the Packers over time. But you do, I mean, he's a bit of a project, you know, that's why I didn't end up going in the first round. Although he almost did 34. And we, we think about T Higgins from that general area recently, we couldn't get, we couldn't get Pat on board in the winter show, but what I'm hearing as a subtext there is draft Romeo dubs everywhere, every league. Every <laughs> All right. Are you in on dubs? Well, I mean, you like slow deep threats? Because I mean, 
his competition is Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, guys who are not anywhere close to big NFL players. So, God, I watched the highlights. He looks, he looks like a very good comp to Sky Moore for me. Wow, <laughs> dude! All right, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> but Pat, speaking of someone who is going to take the league by storm. And I guess that in a lot of ways, the situation here is actually very similar to, well, I don't know. I've been trying to, to tamp down my enthusiasm for Trey McBride and get my enthusiasm up for Greg Dulcich here. But I do think there's a big difference between, you know, Ertz, who like already three years, years ago, people were not worried about him really blocking Dallas Goddard. Although, People were excited when, when Goddard got freed up versus someone like Albert O, who, I mean, we've seen very limited samples, but, you know, if you go to our ceiling signals tool and, you know, look at some of these yards per route, targets per route types of numbers, and then you look, go to the workout explorer and you see how athletic Albert O is. And you're thinking, well, I mean, I've had him ranked way too high all off season. So I'm kind of trying to justify the fact that I've had him ranked too high. But when I mean, you're talking about an ascending potential superstar tight end, and then the Broncos also have all those other good players. So, I mean, is there any chance that we could have kind of a Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez type of situation here? I mean, is, is Dulcich good enough to push through and, and, and be part of this electric Broncos attack? I mean, Dulcich doesn't profile as a slam dunk, but he has a really interesting profile because he he was efficient um, in terms of yards per out run, and he was decently productive, and he gets used downfield. That's the thing that's really jumped out to me with him, is that he has this deeper dot, which you tend to see the really good NFL tight ends. Like, if you look at Mark Andrews, George Kittle, uh, Dallas Goddard, like, you know, uh, Gronk, Kelsey before last year, kind of started to slip, but he's aging, Darren Waller. Like basically all the guys we want um, have this deeper downfield usage. They can actually stretch the team, stretch the seam. They can actually, you know, challenge a defense. The other guys like kind of Dalton Schultz, Dawson Knox, like those guys are so much more situation dependent um, in my mind. So if you're getting the guy who, if he's good enough, can be now it could just be like maybe he's Mike Jasicki or something. And, you know, it's like kind of a, another kind of whatever type of tight end. And, and most of these tight ends are end up not standing out. It's a pretty difficult thing to become one of the elite tight ends. We we don't see a lot of these guys emerge. But uh, he at least has that ability, flash that ability in college um, to be used downfield as a receiver. So, yeah, he could maybe be the Hernandez in that comp. Um, he could also be kind of the, the Mark Andrews type. Um, although certainly wouldn't project him to get to that level, but it could be kind of a Mark Andrews type to Albert O being like a much better Hayden Hurst, you know, if that's how they want to deploy it. I don't know what their deployment's going to be, though. I think that's a little concerning. Is this a two tight end set team? You know, they, they've got way too many receivers as is, you know, like it's like KJ Hamler can't even see the field because they've got Patrick and Sutton and Judy. So that's that's definitely a concern for me is like, there might not be that many snaps. Um, and I do think Alberto's good. I'm not quite as high as you are, I think, because the sample sizes have been pretty small for Alberto and he's dealt with injuries. Um, 
didn't profile as like a guy who would necessarily be an awesome tight end coming in, although that doesn't mean a ton. It's so I think the prospect profiles are once you once you see a guy flash in the NFL at tight end, I'm, I'm pretty much in. So I'm mostly in on Alberto, but we don't have a huge sample of him doing it. We got a new quarterback, we've got a new offense, and they just drafted a tight end in the third round. So there's definitely reasons to remain skeptical on Alberto. Um, but at the same time, I think there's reasons to be skeptical that that Dulcich can emerge in a in a pretty crowded situation. I McBride's the guy that's kind of interesting. I want to get more of your thoughts on him because I've I mean, Ertz is there for another two years with this contract. And they, I mean, it's another really crowded situation. Um, we're like, is is Rondell Morgan even see the field in three wide receiver sets once DeAndre Hopkins is back? So, you know, I don't I don't know if they're playing a lot of two tight tight end sets either. Yeah, I it's tricky because at some point, like like the situation with Hamler, it just gets too crowded for all the things that you want to play out to actually play out. You know, we talk all the time here on OT and on stealing bananas. And I know that you guys obviously draft like this on ship chasing to where the talent element is really what you're going after. And you expect for the most part. And again, it's for the most part. It's not like if volume opportunities open up that that doesn't sometimes supercharge these talented guys, but you're looking for the talent to then dictate what the volume is as opposed to somewhat the other way around, which is, I, I think, maybe the big mistake that people still make with drafts. I know that everybody has gotten more aggressive drafting and you know the community has gotten better with that. But as it kind of relates back, McBride is pretty interesting just because he could potentially be really good. And I don't think that, I mean, I, look, I was looking at that Earth's contract yesterday and just was so bummed out about it because <laughs> it is a problem, right? Yeah. But yet at the same time, the Cardinals are a team that's trying to load up with weapons. They've had a hard time keeping the guys healthy. In this case, now they're having a hard time keeping guys unsuspended. And this team, when they've had the full offense, has been unstoppable. And, you know, then you see the end of last season. And I think to an extent, they're like, you know, we should just get deeper everywhere. And one of the things that they said, and obviously all the teams, every time they draft someone, they they act like they've just won the Super Bowl because this guy, there was no way he was going to get to them, but he made it to them. And round seven just because we passed all the other times like this is the guy that's going to win everything for us but you know they they mentioned that they were going to trade back they were all set to trade back they made it sound like they already had a trade in place i don't know if that's an exaggeration or not but then he was there and they're like oh wait i mean this guy is too good and there's no way we can move out of this pick and you know you, you've got to look at a, a guy who's going to be a little bit older which we hate and obviously you can discount some of the production because it didn't come against sec competition obviously you know you worry a little bit about the fact that and i don't know if there was any kind of health thing at all i mean some of these guys if you're not a hundred percent at the combine you should definitely not test and you know drake london would tell you just never test i mean there's only downside to testing if you're a good prospect just just uh, dunk so but then he goes and runs a, a four five four at his pro day, and maybe you add some time to that. But if if a big time happens at the combine instead of at a pro day that's a little more covered up, you know, then are people more excited about it? I'm trying to keep this in check because number one, you know, once you overpay, you end up losing even if you're more or less right. And then number two, 
I don't want people to jump ahead of me and take him in my drafts. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just going to say, you know, with Ertz there, you know, it, it, it can't work out in the short term. You better just let him fall. Yeah, he's buried. He can't draft him. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the the 40's probably baked in, right? Like, he he's not a second-round pick without that 40. You don't think? I don't think so. I, I mean, it felt to me like he was starting to slip after after the combine and might be like a third round guy along with Dulcich. I think I think the the pro day saved him. <laughs> I, I like to hear that. Agree. We're just gonna keep we're gonna keep pushing it down. It's like he's a pretty good pick at the three hundred three in your super flex draft. Yeah, maybe. I mean, if you can get him in the fourth though, that's that's a real win. <laughs> Pat, we also wanted to do some kind of, you know, we don't want this to be a downer show with with the losers, although I think we've made some good cases for these guys. But we also want to get kind of your big picture takeaways. And the very first one seems to be, you know, looking at this from a super flex perspective, obviously, you know, this <laughs> the situation with the quarterbacks. This draft, though, actually looks pretty exciting. First six or seven picks. And I think that then again, later, it looks like a normal draft, right? I mean, you mentioned there are all these running backs that you can push up ahead of even the second round wide receivers. I mean, normal draft, but from the 108 to the 202, when you're thinking super flex where the QBs usually create this extra value and everybody in a super flex rookie draft is getting a pretty good pick. It seems a little soft on the other hand. I mean, some guys we've talked about on these two shows here are going to be in that range. I, is that how you're seeing this? What, what's your sort of overall sense of 2022 rookie drafts now that we've had the NFL draft? No, I think you're right. I think the the like 107 might be pretty nice because uh, assuming you're not in a league with like just me, Sean, and a bunch of our friends, then uh, Kenneth because Kenneth Walker might be sitting there at 107 if if that's the case. Uh, <laughs> but if it's not a league like that. Kenneth Walker will have already gone potentially at 102, which is just the craziest. Can I get your thoughts on that, Sean? Kenneth Walker is going 102 right now. It's crazy. Well, we drafted him, Colin, Connor, Ben, and I. I I had to pick him at the 108 in our <laughs> in our live day three show because I couldn't get any interest from anybody else. And at the 108, I thought it was a pretty good pick. Right. Yeah, it's a pretty good pick of the one away. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna touch the ball a lot. I'm I'm seeing reports that he might be the starter for them. And I'm thinking to myself, I love Rashad Penny, and that dude could be a top five running back, but they drafted this guy where they drafted him. He's a four three forty guy. I mean, he could be the starter. <laughs> he's gonna have two hundred and fifty touches this year, right? So I mean the 102 seems a little optimistic or just structurally <laughs> unsound. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, anyway, so I think the 107 is actually kind of a nice pick this year because you're looking at, you know, you can you can make your sky more reach, um, get kind of, or if you're an Olave guy, you know, he'll always be there. I think uh, one of the, one of him or more will always be there, but you get past that point, And I think it's kind of like, you have to look at, do you want to be the guy who's taking the quarterback? Uh, Cause I don't know. I mean, I've, I, uh, I've taken Justin Herbert. I've taken Daniel Jones. Uh, I, I took a bunch of Zach Wilson. I'm always kind of down to take the guy that everyone else thinks is gross. 
But normally that guy is like a top five NFL draft pick. And everyone's like, nope, he stinks. And I'm like, well, the teams, the team cannot move on from him. They can move on from Kenny Pickett. He's the 20th overall pick. If they stink, if they if they land like a top 10 pick, they can easily, you know, they can easily move on. So that concerns me. I don't know that we're getting the same like built-in organizational commitment that like you can trade this guy in a year or two, no problem, level floor with Kenny Pickett. So you actually have to bet on him to be good, which I don't like doing. And then you have Malik Willis, where it's the exact opposite, where you're like, I do want to bet on him to be good, but at what cost? And I think, I mean, I'm seeing his ADP at like the late first. I think if that's going to be the price, I, I want I want to take some Malik Willis. Um, I think as soon as he sees the field, we're going to get really excited. I think it takes like two games and we're going to be like, oh my God. Oh my God, once he starts, he's going to be a star. So, you know, at it, it, the same time, same time though you really prefer him to be more like the 212 for the for like the upside to to risk ratio with him and he's probably gonna be like the 112 um rashad white is probably gonna be i think uh i had him at the 201 when i was talking to davis he thought that was hilariously high i've since moved him to the 112 (laughs) so so i if anything i'm i'm starting to get a little more bullish um Christian Watson's there, which is like such a boom bust type of pick. Uh, you can make your James Cook bet, which I don't love, but you know, comes with draft capital. So yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's kind of like you pick your reach or you kind of grab the the guy you don't love, but you know, you're kind of playing the ADP game, um, which isn't always my favorite thing to do in Dynasty, because our our rookie draft ADPs aren't aren't usually that great. You touched on a couple of the quarterbacks there when you know you talked about Willis, but I've had a couple of rookie drafts so far, and the quarterbacks are going very, very late. It would seem um, I took uh, like a Sam Howell in a draft today at three eleven, so mm-hmm. uh, I think that like that's super flex, and I think we're seeing a lot of these guys that are going to fall. And is there are you interested in the late second round, early third, and some of those quarterback options, or are you seeing other options that you want to pick there over them? I think particularly corral uh if you can get corral in the late second uh that is really really intriguing to me um sam darnold is really bad and you know it's an okay team you know if you could if he can take over as the starter he could be like okay right out of the gate i think he has a decent ceiling uh, and i liked him better than desmond ritter uh to begin with so and you also do wonder like why corral fell i don't it doesn't seem like it's all related to his tape evaluation, which, you know, creates a situation where if he's if he's going to be good, he could be really good. So um, I'm a I'm a fan of drafting Corral. I have him ranked much higher than the late second. Um, I have him kind of more as like a mid to early second type of super flex pick. And then I have Ritter is kind of like a mid to late second uh, super flex pick. So I'd be totally fine with him at the end of the second. I think that'd be a really nice value. That's just more of like that's just a bet on, you know, he'll probably start at some point. Uh, I don't I'm not a big Ritter fan, but, you know, at some point I just just got to be humble with these quarterbacks. We don't know. Uh, and then Sam Howell. I like Sam Howell a lot, but the NFL does not like this guy. He went after Bailey Zappi. So I got him in the third. If you get him a third three eleven, like absolutely. But uh, 
but even in like the the 211 212 range i think i'm going elsewhere we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It was interesting you mentioned the Rashad White one because... In our ranking sub, I found myself in the very uncomfortable position of having to be the lowest guy on both White and George Pickens. And I'm just like, those dudes are are buried. It's like, there's a limit to how high we can have them, right? But in the projection of, of where they're going, I had that in the same general area. It's interesting to hear you say Willis still in the first because he feels more blocked than the other guys mm-hmm, for we sure. talked about it when you were on the show the other day and how that can can work out pretty quickly but i'm i'm interested to see how that goes i i have the 112 pat and i think maybe like the 205 and 207 or maybe 207 to 212 in the black crown and my quarterbacks are jimmy garoppolo and jordan love if if i have a shot at Pickett or Willis there you're saying I should I should take one of them I mean I would t- in your shoes I would take Pickett it's like live to see another day at that point I mean come on you gotta you gotta get a quarterback who's gonna make some starts uh yeah I mean it, it like if Willis was going in the mid-second I would be psyched you know I would be taking a lot of them but I think you know I think probably to the market's credit he's like a tad overpriced because we should probably be like, you should have to think twice about a guy like Willis. Cause the ceiling is so high for fantasy. It's not just that he runs. It's that he's got this incredible deep ball ability too. Um, and I also think that landing in the Tennessee situation, while not ideal from, you know, getting on the field, uh, it's a pretty, pretty interesting situation. They know how to use a guy. I mean, Tannehill's a former wide receiver, kind of athletic guy, you know, not a complete quarterback, not the type of guy who sits backs and like sit, they're not going to ask him to like make his reads and run a West coast offense. And he, he won't have to do that. So I think that if he gets to play, 
you know, this is a good situation. It's just you know, the, the guy has to get to play. So I, I feel like maybe it, the upside case is basically he's Jalen Hurts and Tannehill's Carson Wentz. And it happens a bit sooner than we would have projected. And certainly the way Tannehill played, you know, in the playoffs would would suggest that's possible. But more likely, uh, and I said this on the the draft stream, you know, Tannehill is kind of a, a worse Aaron Rodgers and Malik Willis is Jordan Love. And you just have them sit and sit and sit. Um, but, you know, because Tannehill's not as good as Aaron Rodgers, maybe, maybe that journey ends after two seasons instead of kind of forever. So uh, I do think, I mean, I'm really, I am really struggling with Willis because I want to draft Malik Willis, but you do get to a point where it's probably a little bit too much, but to your, you know, the larger question is like, what do we even do here? You know, in this range. And I'm talking about taking Rashad White. You're, you're nervous about him being blocked. I'm not that nervous because Keyshawn Mont's not that good. So he's, he's getting on the field, uh, at least in a backup capacity. Um, but, you know, there's like a lot of guys. Pickens, I, I share your concern with. I've, I've moved him like up and down like five spots. I don't know where to put Pickens. Uh, so, you know, I mean, Christian Watson, it's like, talk about a boom bust bet. You know, if I'm going to make a boom bust bet, I'm going to make it on a on a old wide receiver instead of a quarterback in a super flex league. That seems like a mistake structurally. But why don't I just make it at the quarterback position? So I don't know. I mean, Malik Wills probably probably should be like the 208, but I'll still take him like way ahead of that. Well, after all these quarterbacks get hurt, you can just play Taylor Heineke again in your uh, super flex <laughs> that's, spot. That's right. it's, inter- it's interesting that you were mentioning Ritter there because. And this is obviously not what he said, but in his post-draft sort of interviews and whatnot, he was obviously excited to be with the Falcons and was talking about how much he liked Marcus Mariota and you know thought that they were similar guys. He more or less got around to describing himself as a poor man's Marcus Mariota, which you know if, if that's the guy you're trying to beat out, then perhaps that's not the. But he is kind. I mean, that's that's called self-awareness. Right. That's I think that's who he is. So Pat, if we want to be more positive about this draft, and I think you know you kind of already hinted at your response here, but I currently have four second round receivers projected to the second round. So it's four reality second round wide receivers projected to the second round of super flex drafts, and a couple of more day two receivers projected to round three. Does this mean that the second round depth is pretty encouraging for fantasy? Or should we not be taking these sort of reality reach wide receivers very seriously? So you're talking, what about John Mechie and Alec Pierce? Uh, those those guys? Thornton, Thornton, you know, you could, I mean, you're going to be able to get the Bears pick in round four. <laughs> Look, man, I they asked me to go 50 deep on my rookie rankings. And I was like, uh, okay, but I'm not stopping until Velas Jones isn't in it. <laughs> and i found a way justin ross signing with the chiefs was was all the excuse i needed uh Vilas jones is now 51 uh no but i think i think like mechie pierce i mean those guys are i think you do want to draft some of them you know we like mechie we we don't know i i mean i i guess i don't know in terms of relative to adp but you know if i can get mechie in like the early third or something sure 
you know, Alec Pierce in the same range. Sure. Like they're probably not very good, but um, there's reasons to think I, I talked about Alec Pierce earlier, but uh, John Mechie, you know, he was buried to start his career. And then Jameson Williams comes in and like we said, tears his ACL still a 12th pick in the draft. So if he has a superstar wide receiver coming in, which we think Jameson Williams has the potential to be, you can't really blame him for not standing out uh, relative to that guy. And he was in a tough spot before that. And then he tears his ACL in December. So it's a curtailed season for him. The one season he, he really got to show anything and he still comes out early and he's still a second round pick. So there's, there could be something with John Mechie. I think he's probably like a slot receiver type dude, but maybe, maybe he's a slot receiver who can, you know, earn targets at a pretty high rate. Is there a chance he could be like a Deontay Johnson type? Probably not. But I, I do think like he's not like Thornton to me just feels like you're just betting on he had he ran a four two eight. If he had run like a four three eight, I think I'd be more interested because the only reason he went in the second round is because he ran a four two eight, right? Like there would probably be some better better film on him or maybe you know maybe the production would be slightly better if he wasn't so blazingly fast but the i think the patriots just put the blinders on him we're like 428 428 that's why he's the second round we know that the nfl tends to overdraft speed so i i view thornton as a little bit of a different tier than those other guys where are you out on him sean well i was gonna i mean mac jones that last year at alabama was pretty effective when he was throwing to guys who were wide open you don't think thornton can run by the I mean, can can Mac hit him there? Four two eight. I, I mean, Mac's pretty fast. accurate. Yeah, I think he can. I don't know how many. Like, is he looking downfield that much? It seems like a, you know, he's he's content to throw shorter and intermediate. But I think Mac Jones is like pretty solid. So yeah, I guess that's a, that's a good point. Well, I mean, he's like they gave me Kendrick Bourne plus these guys who can run like <laughs> five yard routes. So he didn't throw downfield last year. <laughs> Colin, where are you seeing these guys go? Like, is am I just is it wishful thinking to think you can get uh, Mechie and Pierce in the early third? What, what I've seen, I, I've had three rookie drafts so far, and a couple more starting over the next couple of days, and everything seems to be all over the place. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people are going with certain guys they like, but I've seen players fall dramatically further than I thought they would in terms of what you know the guys have them ranked on the site for example so I do think it's going to vary very much from draft to draft for most leagues and I think in some of the sharper leagues then we'll see people take shots in them but I think particularly as I mentioned at the quarterbacks people are passing up on them but I do think that I, I don't know if there's a right there's a bit of a stink on on some of these guys that, that went in the second round like Mechie and I think that's going to lead to them falling in, in the rookie drafts. Yeah, I don't mind taking cheap shots on those guys. But where are you on these running backs? Obviously, round one depth non-existent. Round two depth, especially if we're putting White at the one twelve, non-existent. But by the time you get into round three, it looks as good as ever to me. Would you be trying to load up in this range? I've even got a few guys I like projected to round four, and so I know that I've been looking at some of these leagues where I did trade out in the startup two years ago, traded out of. You know, all of 2022 and all of 2023 and so got a lot of third and fourth round picks and I'm, I'm i'm excited i'm like well you know i don't need a first rounder in this draft i've got three thirds so that'll work out just as well <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that might be true at the 112 <laughs> i'd rather have the three thirds 
I do think there's running back depth. Um, it's not like awesome depth, but there's there's certainly guys to take stabs on. Uh, you know, and and we kind of knew this would be the case where the NFL was not treating this the same way that we were. Where, you know, heading into the draft, it was like no one. There was really no consensus past the top two guys. No one really, except you know me with white. No one like really, really liked a guy. Um, but the NFL was still going to draft them, and that's what happened. So yeah, I think you do want to take your stabs on Zamir White and your Tyrion Davis Price, even though I don't really. I mean, both those guys have seemed pretty uninspiring. What? Where are the breakout? Where, where the uh, the breakaway numbers, guys? Come on. Uh, Pierre Strong, though. I mean, Pierre Strong's pretty interesting. He's Damian. Damian Harris is a free agent after the year. They, you know, they clearly are just going to keep kind of churning. But like, if you're going to be in a committee to be able to hit big runs is going to be a must. And Pierre Strong looks like he's going to be able to do that. Kyron Williams is someone who's like even like if I'm if I'm looking at a late third, early fourth type situation. I mean, he's on a good offense. He got a little bit more capital than I was worried he might. Like it seemed like maybe he's a seventh rounder after the combine. So he gets fifth round pick. I think he's still kind of in the mix. And I know you've got some guys, Sean. Like you're you're in on Ty Chandler, right? Yeah, I think that the situation there could be good. I mean, we're looking at at Beatty here with Jake mm. K. Dobbins and those two guys just tearing the roof off in Baltimore. So I mean, I for all the, the Dobbins shares, I'm I'm pretty excited to to back him up with a back with that profile. I was going to ask about Strong because, I mean, it appears to me at this point that the Patriots have drafted too many backs to keep them all. Is there a chance that, like, he doesn't make the team and can go somewhere better? Pro- probably not. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, they they uh, they just had Damian Harris sit for an entire year. And in a normal – when most NFL teams, if that happens to you, you're done. But the Patriots were just – they just redshirted him. They just straight up redshirted him. Uh, I mean, we could see the same thing happen with Pierre Strong, which, I mean, it's a bit of a frustrating situation because normally you'd, you'd get the information. The team doesn't like him. It's time to move on. But I don't, I mean, if you draft Pierre Strong, you got to hold him through the start of 2023 to see, you know, if he actually gets gets a shot. But does that mean you also won't. have to use your fourth round pick on Kevin Harris and also hold him through the no, no, I don't think you have to pick because I mean, strong, strong has a, a profile that suggests he can do um, some pretty exciting things. Like he's, the he's not passes. like any. What'd you say? Like the halfback passes. Yeah, right. What was the stat? He's thrown for like nine for nine, six touchdowns. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, that's actually true with the Patriots. They'll probably use him on some of that. Um, but you know, he can he can catch a little bit and. He's got that breakaway ability. Um, he's athletic, decent size. I mean, he's, he could to- he could be Damian Harris, you know. He could be skinny Legarrette Blunt or something. You know, he's he's like we know kind of the archetype they're going to put him. in. He probably won't catch passes for the Patriots because they just seem truly committed to you catch passes and you never catch passes. So that's they split it up. I don't know why they do it. But uh, but he'll be he'll be the you never catch passes guy probably, um, and then Ramondre Stevenson would be kind of moving into like a, a James White type role maybe um, next year. 
So, you know, I think you could pretty easily see like strong as Harris or Mondre is kind of that, that pass catcher type next year. That's there's a possibility of that. And you're going to get a, a pretty cheap shot at, you know, seeing if that is actually the way they play it. But if you don't like that, I mean, I think there's plenty of other guys. Zamir White, you know, it's another another play in 2023 where you're just like basically, you know, the C's part and it's just Zamir White left. You can trade him at that point. You don't gotta you don't gotta sit through free agency in the draft. Like if it's clear, if it's clear that Josh Jacobs is out and they're talking up Zamir White as their 2023 starter, you are allowed to trade <laughs> this guy away. So uh yeah, I, I'm not quite as interested in the Kevin Harris, Jerome Ford type. Hassan Haskins just being on the Titans is like that alone makes me like mildly interested in him in like the late fourth. Does he do anything for you? Well, he, I mean, he was a better player, I think, than people realize. And that role, I think, could be pretty valuable. He's someone I think is much more interesting just to take shots in, in best ball, really, than having him as part of your, your dynasty portfolio. I was going to ask you, are you backing up your Ronald Jones shares? You were talking about breakaway rush score and... Um, the Chiefs have a, a a guy coming in who is very fast and I think also rushed for like two yards per carry in college. Yeah, uh, Pacheco, right? He's the the uh, the Roto World Slack erupted, and it is still called the the Slack is still named Roto World, even though the site is not. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the Slack was just angry, truly angry when they selected. They were, he sucks. <laughs> so no i don't have much enthusiasm for him and uh it does make me feel a little bit better about my my ronald jones shares uh one guy though uh Keontae ingram the cardinals guy they they took in a sixth i mean i know uh i know this is a an eno benjamin show but <laughs> sean covers his eyes <laughs> there's certainly opportunity you know certainly opportunity is he just i mean he could be a is, I could see him making like a, a zero running back type article, Sean. Do you, do you, uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to back burner <laughs> that, but there's a lot of potential there. Yeah. You got to have exposure to your Cardinals because I mean, James Conner is going to play six weeks. He's going to score 27 points per game. And then you're going to have to make do with, you know, Benjamin and Ingram. So, it, you know, they're uh, just going to trade for Kareem Hunt or something when that happens. Oh well, that makes that's that's exciting. Yeah, I'll have to. No, not too. <laughs> Settle for that. <laughs> uh, that. That's awesome. Uh, we did. We went a little bit longer, but Pat, uh, two shows this week. You really crushed it. There, we're digesting the draft as we go through it, and uh, you've been doing amazing work over at NBC Sports Edge covering the the draft and the prospects. So, um, I don't know about you. Are you taking a, a little? Is it busier now that the draft has ended, or pre-draft for you? No, we got our draft guide coming out, so you can look for that. Oh, uh, it gets even busier. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but once the draft guide will be, uh, we'll be we'll be done working on it. Um, you know, at the end of the month, I think. So uh, at that point, it'll it'll calm down for June. Yeah, so everyone check out the draft guide when it does come out. You can follow Pat on Twitter at Pat Corain, and uh, obviously check out the ship chasing shows as well. Uh, some of the most must watch stuff that that I like to to binge on once it comes out. But great stuff, Pat. Yeah, thanks guys.
once again an absolute pleasure having pat on the podcast he's one of our favorite guys in the entire industry the ship chasing team i know obviously you're doing your podcast stealing bananas with ben gretch who is also a part of that so uh, big fans of all those guys over there but um so much good information there sean um you guys kind of picking each other's brains as, as you went through it on some of the thought processes and uh, i'm sure as i as i joked that the the listeners will have their notebooks out taking those notes to to get those edge and in, in fantasy drafts we were and we were pretty distraught that justin ross didn't go and then when we actually got together to record some extra intros and outros for the shows uh, to, to add on for the podcast version of, of some of these live events we were still lamenting the fact couldn't believe that ross hadn't gone and then yesterday morning i get the most ecstatic text from ben saying ross to the chiefs and so now i mean we're, we're, we're back on board right you gotta got take justin ross in the third round i think yeah, I think yeah, you have to take him pretty much everywhere now. And I know Ben. Ben was uh, he was vocal on the streams about the quarterback situation in Seattle, but he was very vocal on Twitter about the the Justin Ross situation. So happy days to get him up with uh, KC. Yes, very much so. So we'll we'll see how we play that out. Column the FFPC best ball tournament has launched again we're very excited about that one you and i are going to be drafting some teams we'll probably have blair on to draft with us again at some point this summer because go on spot better though yeah uh, blair blair was the key we 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 got up there with blair on the show we don't want to blow it by not having him back you mentioned we're going to do some drafts with connor and a can't beat him join him scenario We've got a lot of Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty League content coming up both on the site and in our personal personal lives here as we draft <laughs> our own teams. So the Rotoviz Triflex format over at the FFPC, those leagues are forming. They've been just an absolute monster hit. Curtis Patrick did a great job with the FFPC guys uh, at the beginning of last year when they sort of brainstormed those and put them out. They've just been an absolute phenomenon. Get over there and get involved in those startups it'll be your favorite dynasty format column it's pretty fun now to go into these rookie drafts with just 16 players on your roster some open spots some veterans i was talking with monty with whom i share a team and marcus mariota actually available in one of our drafts and so we'll have to look at our picks and see where we might consider taking him in the rookie slash veteran draft pretty excited for that portion of it and call them also some new uh well not new but the big tournament at underdog has been released yeah and i think it's gonna be awesome i've mentioned at times obviously i'm in ireland uh, my way around this is co-drafting with uh, sean and and Draco and those sort of guys but it's not available to us yet i have talked to them at, at possibly in the pipeline so uh, there was a show a couple of weeks ago sean where i mentioned that the entry fee was 10 euros and i had numerous people from the uk and ireland reach out and be like 10 can we enter but unfortunately we can't but if you're in the u.s and you're in a state that allows you underdog is the place to be as well for some of these tournaments i'm obviously best ball at many a tree top price two million dollars i think you're going to want to get involved in that if you can and myself and sean will be drafting in those uh we mentioned drafting with some of the other guys as well and i think it's gonna be a huge amount of fun i'm more excited about drafts this year usually we will be touching on these drafts in maybe june sean we we just can't wait to get going now once these uh 
once these contests are in full flow but if you're drafting over at underdog you can sign up and if you use the code rotoviz they will match you 100 up to 100 so pretty much double your money using the code rotoviz up to 100 and it gives you those free shots then at the tournament and the, the best ball mini is 25 dollars to enter so if you put in a hundred dollars you get basically four free entries to go along to that tournament with the 25 dollar entry and the hundred dollars free that you'll be receiving so head on over sign up that is underdog fantasy and the code is rotoviz but sean we're going to tidy it up at that point we will of course be back for the saturday edition of the podcast looking forward to kind of nipping into some things that we haven't covered here on these two shows that we'll dive into if any of the listeners have some questions they want to send in related to the draft send them my way at overtime ireland on twitter or rotovizradio at gmail.com check out the rotoviz draft guide and as always you can get yourself that listeners only 10 percent discount using the code rv radio 2022 at checkout and that'll get you access to all of the content and tools up on the site all of the rankings and everything else to go with it so head on over sign up today get yourself ready for the 2022 nfl season my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland our guest on these shows was pat corain thanks again to pat for jumping on you can follow him on twitter at pat corain and of course sean siegel is my co-host as always check out sean's work up on rotoviz.com and of course as well check out stealing bananas with ben gretch and until we're back on saturday have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.